In Matthew chapter 19, verse 19, we hear Jesus telling you and I some things to do. We talked last Sunday about happiness being in forgiveness, but today happiness is being yourself. It says, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, can I tell you, if you don't love yourself, it's hard to honor mom. It's hard to honor dad. It's hard to honor and love neighbor if you don't love who God has made you. And that's why God's going to help us today to see who we really are in him, a true masterpiece, a wonderful creation of his glory. So Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're trusting you to help us see our identity that's only found in you so we can be everything you've created us to be. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's men and women said, amen. amen. You can be seated this morning. Would you give the worship team a round of applause? Thank you, worship team. You guys are so blessed to have them. We're blessed to have them, and they're here all three services every week, but all their practice and all their preparation makes it sound seamless, and we couldn't do it without them. Thank you, worship team, for your dedication and hard work. God bless you. We're always looking for more worship leaders. We need some bass players. We need percussionists, you know, uh, not percussionists, but bass players, guitar. So if you have a skill and uh, see Jerry and uh, we need some singer, you know, just more worship team. We need more people to help uh, lighten the load for all the work that we do for the Lord. Now think about this today, because last Sunday we talked about the power of forgiveness and how to be happy when we forgive. But think about this message today on being happy in yourself, being who God created you to be. How do you see yourself? And let's ask another way. Do you like yourself? Do you like your spouse? Don't raise your hand. Do you like your neighbors? Do you like anybody? It's hard to like people if you don't like yourself. Do you want to be somebody else? And the answer, don't answer it because people will say, no, I don't want to be anybody else. But the reality is they do. Do you know plastic surgery is in the multi-billions of dollars because people walk into the doctor's office every day with a picture of somebody else and say, carve my face to look like them. We are designed by God, a wonderful masterpiece, but we're longing to be somebody else. You know, I read a crazy article recently and it blew me back when I read it. It was, it was so overwhelming. I read this article and it said that 50,000 people in America today are pretending to be Elvis Presley. 50,000 people are in world right now. They're, they're here, not, hopefully not here, but they're on this planet, perhaps in Nevada, but they're in life pretending to be Elvis. Can I tell you, it saddens my heart, but Elvis has left the building. He's no longer with us. And it's something to be said because the secret in the word of God is for us to realize that we have to love ourselves before we can love other people. We have to love who God has made us so we can truly love other people. But there's a problem with that because some of us have been told by a parent, by a significant other, maybe by a professor, what we weren't, what we could not accomplish, what we could not endure, what we could not succeed in. And many people suffer from a self-image that was planted by some authority figure in the past. Maybe it was somebody you love, you cherish, but nevertheless, the words have been spoken and now you're living today with a poor self-image. Listen to me, you have to stop seeing yourself how other people think they see you or how you think they perceive you. And you have to learn 
learn to start seeing yourself as God sees you. Because you and I have no limitations when it comes to how God sees us. The only limitation is us, how we see ourselves. Now think about this, because happiness is in the here and in the now. It's in being yourself. But some people at the sound of my voice this morning, they live on an island. This island that I'm talking about you living on is not in the Bahamas. As beautiful as the Bahamas are, man, you do not live on that island. The island that I'm talking about is not the island of Hawaii and the smaller islands around it. As beautiful as Hawaii is, the island that many people live on is called Someday Isle. Someday I'll be happy. Not today, but you know, someday. It's like the young person that says, I'll be happy when I graduate high school. The professor gave the student in high school a F on the English paper. So the high school senior went back to the teacher and said, I don't deserve an F on this paper. Why'd you give it to me? And the teacher said, I don't think you deserved an F either. But unfortunately, that's as low as we grade around here. Let it sink in. Well, maybe I'll be happy when, when, I, when I get married. <laughs> yeah. You're waiting for the marriage day so it can be so romantic. But after you get married a little while, you realize that every day as a marriage is not a romantic day. Unless you're a rose, of course. But other than that, every day as a married couple is not a romantic day. You say, well, I'll be happy when... When I get a, a promotion at my job, really? Have you ever thought about what comes with a promotion? More responsibilities, more time spent. No longer do your coworkers think you're, you're, you're big boss applesauce. They think now you think you're too good for your shoes. Look at you. You're the boss now. I can't believe she would dress like that. I can't but he, he told me to go do something. You know why? Because more responsibility. You've got a promotion now. Now you're no longer equals with your coworkers. Now you're the boss. I don't know if you'll be happy with that promotion, by the way. Or maybe you'll be happy when you hit your fortune and you hit the lottery. But you have to realize more money comes more problems. Trust me. Or I'll be happy when I get to retire. Really? Have you ever been in a retirement level of life, you realize that once you finally get to the age of retirement and you can go out and do all these adventurous, cool things, you don't want to. It's so true. It's because you're retired now and now your body hurts and everything that can work won't work and you are retired now. They should let retirement come when you're young, when you want to do stuff. And then when you get older, now you go back to the grind, go back to the nine to five. They'll be like, yeah, I want to do that. It's kind of opposite. We mess it up. That's why I tell my kids all the time, yuck it up now, young ladies. Be happy, be loud in the house, because when I get old, I'm coming to live with you. <laughs> and I'm going to turn the television all the way up. I'm going to bump my jams, Elvis, of course. I'm going to bump it until the walls crack and you are going to rule the day you ever let me come live with you. Well, I'll be happy tomorrow. It's like that old song we used to sing. Tomorrow, tomorrow, it's only a day away. But tomorrow may never come. My Hispanic brothers and sisters say, manana. I'll do it manana. But manana might never come. There's a problem with tomorrow. The scriptures tell us you can't boast about tomorrow. 
You don't know if tomorrow's going to get here. The solution is be happy here. Be happy now. The comfort that God can give, he can give it right now. And the world didn't give that comfort. And if the world didn't give the comfort, then the world cannot take it away. That means you can have happiness in spite of being in the lion's den. Even though you're in the lion's den and they've been starved for three days, you can still be joyful. Even though you're Paul and Silas in the jail at Philippi, you can still be happy. Even though you've walked through the water of worry, you can still be joyful. Even if you walk through the fire of failure, you can still be content. Even though you've walked into the lion's den of loneliness, you can still be at peace because God is with you. And if God is with you, everything's going to be all right. Be happy here. Be happy now. So you have to stop saying someday I'll and you have to be happy right now. But Joey, you don't know the trials that I've been through. You're right. But with God's help, you can go through that trial and not make a career out of it. Don't make a career out of the trial because trials do not shatter hope. Trials do not destroy peace. Trials do not kill friendships. Trials do not silence courage when it's needed at the most. Trials do not conquer the inside of your soul and trials cannot steal the favor of God that surrounds you as of a shield and trials trials cannot conquer the joy of the Lord that makes rich and out of no sorrow. That's why the Bible says this day rejoice in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What God is saying to you and I is I'm on the throne and everything is going to be all right. Be happy here. Be happy right now. You know, it's a matter of a decision. Everybody say decision. Uh, Two of you. Can everybody help us out today? Say decision. Decision. That's better. Decision. It's a decision that you make to be happy. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I think myself happy. Do you know some people think themselves miserable? Some people think themselves into misery. Something, some people think themselves into doom and gloom. And I want you to know you make a decision to be happy or not. That's why the best kept secret about this thing of happiness, that you have to have it, happiness on the inside of you before you can give it away to someone else. You cannot give away what you do not have. If you go around looking like an old junkyard dog, expecting the world to be happy, you're living in it. You're not going to have happiness. Who are you? I mean, who are you really? When nobody's there at home, when nobody's there to tell us how you are, who are you? A song is not a song until you sing it. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. Happiness is not put in your heart to stay. Happiness is not happiness until you give it away. But you cannot give away what you do not have. That's why when you look into the mirror, what do you see? Do you see ugly? Do you see beauty? Do you see misery? Do you see grief? Do you see, however, hope, faith, strength, optimism, a can-do attitude? It's all in your perception of what you're willing to see. Do you get up in the morning and say, oh, Lord, it's morning? Or do you get up and say, good Lord, it's morning time. It's all in your perspective. Some of you need to look in the mirror and get up in the morning like I do. Let me help you out, man. I get up in the morning and say, good morning, you good looking you. You know what's funny? My hair is not even out of place in the morning. That's what's crazy about the whole thing. I'm like smooth, like a seal. I mean, it's good to be me sometimes. 
You have to realize God created you a wonderful original. Don't die a cheap carbon copy. It's been said, if you copy somebody else's lifestyle, the best you'll ever be is number two. Why in the world that God made originals like yourselves and you want to be somebody else? Isn't it amazing if two of you are alike, one of y'all ain't necessary? There's none of us in this room that is exactly the same. But often we see our differences as our weaknesses instead of our greatest strengths. When you look into that mirror, what do you see? You have to learn to start seeing what God sees. Now stop and think about this. To have happiness in the here and in the now, the only thing in the world that can possibly be changed is ourself. We go around and think, man, I can, I can change the world. If, if I had the ability, I would do this in the uh, political uh, landscape. I would do this in society. I would help with this. I would get rid of that. But the fact is, the only thing we can really change is ourselves. And until we change ourselves, nothing is really going to change. Everybody thinks about changing the world, but nobody has had the thought, maybe I need to change myself. Because the only thing that can be absolutely controlled is ourselves. Remember, you cannot change what you will not confront. And today, let's confront ourselves because I want you to confront yourself. So when you ask that person that question, when you say, well, who are you? Because your biggest enemy is not Satan. You say, well, Satan's our biggest enemy. I want you to know Satan is a defeated foe. He is under your feet. He has been decimated at Calvary. He has been absolutely taken out at the power of Calvary's cross. And in Christ, you have to know Satan was defeated. He is defeated. He always will be defeated. He is under your feet. Knowing that today, you have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And some of you think the enemies of your soul, Satan, is your worst enemy. No, friend, your worst enemy is you. You not seeing what God sees in you is your worst enemy. So when you ask people, who are you? They usually say, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. I'm a construction worker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. I'm not asking what you do. I'm asking, who are you? Who are you? Can I tell you who you are? You're a child of the most high God. Can I tell you who you are? The royal blood of heaven flows in your veins. Can I tell you what you can become? You can become more than a conqueror through him that loved you and gave himself for you. Can I tell you who you are? You are above only and never beneath. Can I tell you who you are? You've been created a little lower than the angels. Can I tell you who you are? You're a child of the most high. The royal blood of heaven flows in your veins. Can I tell you who you are. You are a king and a priest unto the most high God. Can I tell you who you are? You are healed. You are made whole. You are sanctified. You are joy filled. You are an overcomer because he that loved you and gave himself for you. Can you put your hands together and thank God because of who you are? God would never, ever, ever call somebody into his family without giving them the ability to be an overcomer. As a believer, you are doomed to succeed. God would never call you and then not equip you to take on the thing called life. See, I'm looking at overcomers in this room. I'm looking at mothers and I'm looking at, at, at winners in this room. You see, what the enemy meant for destruction, God is using it for construction. That betrayal, that, that, 
that, that issue, those the situations that are meant to take you out, God's using it as, as a platform to take you to your next level, to your divine destiny. That's who you are. See, once you realize who you are, you'll stop letting other things affect you. You'll stop letting other people try to determine your worth. Your worth is value. Your worth is priceless. Heaven's best gave all to you. All you need to realize is heaven gave all for me. The least I can do is give my very best to him. And then I give my very best to the world because I am called of God. I am chosen of God. I'm anointed of God. And the best is yet to come. It's the best things that happens to a believer. But think about this this morning. We lose contact with ourselves who God has created us because we live in a fallen world, a world that is so chaotic a world that is spinning out of control. No longer do we have this thing to do and that thing to do. Now we've got literally five things to do at the same time, especially moms. They've got, they got to take care of this kid. They've got to be the financier. They've got to be the driver. They've got to be the person. They've got to be the counselor. They've got to be the, 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 the ruler. They've got to take care of business. Now we have a society that's spinning out of control with cars and kids and internet. We are now going to bed and it's dark. We get up and it's dark. We, we just go through life at such a rapid pace. We're living in a society that's literally electronical. No longer when I was a little boy where you, you, somebody called you on the phone, they called the house. You don't even have house phones anymore, most people. And then when they called you on the phone, then you had the real long cable on the phone. Then if you're like me, you got a real long one so you can go in the garage and be like, hey, baby girl. No, they ain't listening. No, it's just you and I. And then somebody get on the other line. Get off the phone. <laughs> I'm going to beat you down. No, I'm not talking to you, baby girl. No, I'm talking to my brother. But the society has changed. No longer three channels. When I was a little boy, there was three channels. Three, 13, and 10. And the remote control was me. Get up, change the channel. And then I became the antenna because the channel wouldn't come in. And my dad, you know, he was mean. He would just be like, you are going to stay there so I can watch my show. I'm like, gun smokes an hour, dad. Festus can only shoot so many people. But the society has changed. Now you got 500 channels. Now you've got instant access to anything at any time at any place. It's a crazy world we're living in. But here's a test to determine if you've accepted a life that forces you to ignore who you are. A lifestyle that keeps you from fulfilling your God-given destiny. It's when you start living every day, living in a place of discouragement, a place of downcast, a place of worry. You have to realize as a believer, Christianity is the happiest thing in literature. The gospel begins with a song and it ends with a song. I told you in the beginning of the service how the Old Testament ends with curse. Why? Because if you didn't obey God, cursed were you. But Jesus comes on the scene and the first thing he does, it gives us the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst out of righteousness. Nine blessings to show you and I 
that being a believer means I am supremely blessed of God, that the rich favor of God surrounds us as of a shield, that heaven is before me and heaven is upon me and the best is within me because the hope of glory lives inside of me. That's happiness that the world cannot give and it cannot take away, that I am supremely blessed of God, that everywhere I go, angels are on the left, they're on the right. My children are blessed of the Lord. They'll rise back and call me blessed. You see, that's the divine favor of God. But some people, they, they give their life to the Lord, but they live in this world now that instead of jumping out of it, they just let the world overwhelm them. <coughs> Excuse me. And they let this world literally take them to start doing things they hate. And then they profess to hate it, but yet they keep on doing it. It's like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer and not stopping. It's betrayal. It's betrayal of who you really are. It's really the highway to unhappiness. That's why it's been said, it's never too late to be what you might have become. Consider your marriage. Are you unhappy? Are you unhappy in your marriage? Don't raise your hand. It's not the altar call. You know, everybody in here is three types of people. Those who are married, those who want to be married, and those who are sorry they're married. Which one are you? Now consider marriage. Are you happy or unhappy? Many people refuse to do things in their marriage to get back on the highway to happiness. And they usually come to the church and the pastor when the marriage is disintegrated, when it's already down to nothing. Instead of doing what it takes to fix it and make it better, they just get along with get along and become miserably uh, enamored with life. It's because they lost contact with who they really are in God. It's true. If you're going to do something different in your marriage, I'd encourage you to start doing it now. It's like the wife saying to the counselor, my husband, he's an inconsiderate jerk. And the counselor says, how come? She said, because he won a trip to Hawaii for two. She says, well, and so he went to Hawaii twice. <laughs> I mean, no, you're a jerk status doing that. You ever hear people say they, they, you know, the husband, you know, they say, oh, my wife and I, you know, we love God and we never go to bed angry. And then after you get married a little while, you realize I got to go to bed. I can't go. I got to go to bed. We don't go to bed angry. Yeah, you haven't slept in three months. <laughs> go to bed. Every marriage can be better. Every person can be better. With God's help, you can have a fulfilled life, not only in your marriage, but in your relationships. You can have that. And those of you that went through separation and divorce, that's not the end of your story. It may be the end of their story in your life, but it's not the end of your story in your life. Don't you dare think one moment in your life has stopped you from your story being fulfilled. There's something to be said about that because we think, oh, Joey, and especially when we get religious, we just think, oh, I, got, I went through a divorce. Now I can no longer be used of God. Identity issues start going inward instead of outward. And now we're living in a place of self-depreciation saying, I can't help that. I can't do that. That's a betrayal of who you are. It's absolutely betrayal. Has your mind gotten dull? Have you felt like you're not as sharp as you used to be? Maybe it's not because you've gotten older or you've gotten duller. It's because you're in an avalanche of activity swirling around. And now you've got to step out of it like today and realize God has told us that we can love our neighbors. But before we do that, we got to learn to love ourselves. Love ourselves. 
What is it in your life that you would change? You should take out a pen and a piece of paper this week and just write down some things in your life you would like to change. The Bible says in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets clearly. If you can write down on the tablets what you would like to change, I'd encourage you to change them. Because until you confront it, it will not change. But you've got to have happiness inside of you before you can give it to someone else. So write it down, the things that you're wanting to change. And with God's help through the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to change them. You say, well, Joy, I just don't want to do that because I'm just kind of fearful of that change. I want you to know all of us fear change one way or another. We don't like change. But everything around us is constantly changing. If you don't think you've changed, would you go look at some old pictures of yourself? You've changed. I wore this suit a while ago, and believe me, it's not tight on purpose. I've changed. Things around us change whether we want it to, but we fear change. We fear if we change, people are going to say stuff about us, and we fear what other people will say about us. Can I tell you, when you're 20 years old or around there, you think everybody's talking about you. When you're 40, you don't care who's talking about you. When you're 60, you wish people would talk about you. <laughs> now, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's good. But God is constantly trying to get us to embrace change. He's constantly. Isn't it amazing that society changes, fashion changes, but yet religious, we start to try, I'm not going to change that. So now we've got churches dying on the vine. We've got churches that look the same and, and they don't do anything different. They don't do anything out of the box because they think church needs to be that same way. And I always tell people, if you don't think the church needs to change, then don't ever change your underwear. Some of you men maybe haven't heard the memo. But what am I telling you? I'm saying there are things that get dirty in everyday life, whether a church is a hospital, a church is a place where people need to come and get well. A church is not a stained glass cathedral that should never change. You and I are a part called a church. That means when things get messed up or soiled up, get them clean, get changed in Jesus' name. Oh, I've never. Well, now you have. Oh, Joey, I just can't believe you said that. I did. Isn't that a crazy? I know, right? God's constantly trying to get us to change. He wants you to embrace new things. He says, behold, I'll do a new thing, says the Lord. God wants you to embrace the new that he has for your life. If something within you is resisting the change of the Lord, then I would encourage you, then let God melt that thing away so you can change. You know, God is constantly trying to get change in our life. Every day is a new morning. Every 30 days is a new month. David said, a new song I sing unto the Lord. We read something in the Bible called the New Testament. Jesus said, a new commandment that I give you. That you love one another. When you get saved, you become a new creature in Christ the Lord. When you die, you're going to a new Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven. You're going to have a new glorified body, a new name written down in glory. When you go to heaven, you're going to have a new mansion there. God is constantly trying to get something new started. Why don't you let him do it now, right here, right now, in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, let him do it. But we fear new things. We fear something new because we fear failure and we fear success. You say, well, how? I don't fear success. I say, bring it on. 
Because we get to a place, I believe for most people, we procrastinate because we say, say things like, I can't see myself doing that well. I can't imagine myself being successful in that arena. Who are you? And why not? You say, I can't imagine. I'm just trying to make ends meet and pay my bills. That's a bad mentality. That's a bad self-worth. Bible says you're going to be a lender and not a borrower. That's who you are. You say, well, I can't believe that. Then you'll never get that. You say, I can't believe God to pay off my house. Why can't you? Not only pay off your house, but pay off somebody else's house. You say, well, that's far out. We serve a far out God, Jack. I thought you knew. God is constantly trying to get new things happening with his sons and daughters. He's constantly trying to get a new revelation to you that he can do something exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. He says, nothing's impossible with me. He says, call upon me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. He says, greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. He says, no good thing I withhold for those who seek me. He can heal your body. He can conquer your fears. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He removed the enemies from you. They'll scatter seven different ways. He'll give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, wells you didn't dig. He'll plant you by trees of living water. Your leaf shall not wither and whatever you do shall prosper. He's constantly trying to get something new. So as we close our time, how do we overcome a negative self-image that someone's placed upon us so we can experience happiness, true happiness? The answer is, See yourself like God sees you, not like other people see you. Quit seeing yourself like you think other people see you and stop seeing yourself as you see you. Do you know, and this is just, I, I didn't say this in the first two, but I think this is worth saying. You know, I was heavy at one time, really heavy, over 320 pounds. And it took me a lot of years, even though I was big, I was weightlifting, I was, I was grande. 320 pounds. I'm 6'1". 6'1", 320 pounds? You're a walking tank. I mean, I'm 220 right now. So can you imagine me at 320 pounds? But you know, I was always big as a little boy. When I was in the sixth grade, I wore 36 pants. I mean, I wore Huskies before Huskies was even cool. And then I would put Levi's on them, but it never worked. They always knew they were Huskies. That's the Kmart brand, by the way. And I, when I started getting fit and getting more healthier, do you know I had to look in the mirror every day and you know what I saw? A 320 pound gordo. I saw a heavy person. Do you know, I can tell you, I didn't see that for months. I saw that for years. So I would always think in the back of my mind, man, you're still heavy. You're still out of shape. You're still, you're still weighty. You're, you're not as fit as you can be. And I had to get to a place physically where I had to see what God had made me with a lot of hard work and effort and discipline. But I'm telling you that for a reason because that's a natural thing. But how much more does God's people look into a mirror and see words that were spoken about them by a parent? Words that were spoken about by a teacher or a professor an ex-spouse. You're never going to make it. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to drag through life just like your father, just like your grandfather. You're going to drag, you're going to be like your brother. You're just going to get through it and you're not going to accomplish anything. How many people let a negative self-image lay upon them 
and they live their Christianity in the same fashion, looking in the mirror, not seeing a heavy person, but looking in a mirror and seeing a person that can't, that won't, and that will never become anything. That's why I'm telling you today, you've got to start seeing what God sees. When God sees things, he doesn't see them the way you and I see. He doesn't see Abraham as a pagan, as a guy who's sacrificing to pagan gods, an idolater. No, he sees Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, the father of all who believes. When he called him to be a father of the nation of Israel and of all who believe, he, number one, he didn't have any children. Number two, he didn't know God. He wasn't sitting under a tree reading the King James Bible. He was a pagan. And God looked beyond the faults and saw his wonderful potential. You're going to be the father of all who believe. Jacob, you're a heel catcher. Your very name means deceiver. You're a con artist. You're a get-rich-quick schemer. You come up and then try to overwhelm people with your quick words. And where words are many, sin is at the door. That's who you are, Jacob, a heel catcher in the natural. Every time you look in the mirror, you're seeing a deceiver, a con artist. But that's not what I see, Jacob. I don't deceive a heel catcher. I don't see a con artist. I see a prince of God. So I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel, the prince of God, a prince with God. I want you to know Jesus sees what you can't see. He sees the prostitute that they called to, to a place of death. He doesn't see her as a prostitute. He sees her as a princess. Why? He looked beyond the act and he sees the potential. God is always looking beyond your acts. He's always looking beyond your faults and he's always looking to your God-given potential. Who are you? The question is, what are you going to become? It all starts with the decision to see what God sees and not let a negative self-image of what you've said about yourself and what you've let others say about you take root on the inside because God sees you as an overcomer. God sees you as more than a conqueror. God sees you as rooted and grounded in Christ the Lord to be seated in heavenly places to do great and mighty exploits. The question is, do you have the strength to see it in yourself?